to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly discussion of culture, news, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most fascinating city between Omaha and Salt Lake. Each week on the show, we discuss three topics and then dispense some love and hate. This week, the passion of Dan Mays, battle of the proposed railroads, which is going to be the bigger game changer for the Denver metro area, and Boulder was recently named the foodiest town in America by Bon Appetit magazine and class warfare ensued. Hi, I am John Dicker, washed-up author and journalist. With me are Jared Mayer, staff writer for FaceTheState.com, as well as Westward staff writer Joel Warner. Let's get into it, guys. Uh, Dan Mays, uh, the train wreck that just keeps on giving. Uh, This is the Republican gubernatorial candidate, of course. Pretty much everyone has bailed uh, from the Dan Mays sinking ship. Jared, I know you've followed this pretty closely. Okay, well, I mean, first of all, kind of biased because I think Dan Mays is amazing. Anybody, anyone (laughs) that can make Tom Tancredo look like the reasonable elder (laughs) statesman who people go to for answers truly deserves an award because that is very difficult to do. Dan Mays threw himself in the race against for the primary nomination for the Republicans against uh, Scott McGinnis, the chosen one, up until came out that he had plagiarized these water articles that he had gotten paid an obscene amount of money for. and Which right, now, in comparison, almost looks downright normal compared to the crazy things that Dan Mays has done since then. Well, let's, let's, let's list them for our listeners. Yeah, like, so what are your three favorite crazy Dan Mays moments? Oh, there, oh there's just so many. I just, yeah. I just don't no, know where yeah, to choose. I just want your top three. Okay, I, I think I liked his uh, Serpico comments, him pitching himself as that he was an undercover cop in uh, Kansas, Kansas years ago. And, and things got too rough, right? It, yeah, and, and things got too in, rough. In the and, town of liberal Kansas, which liberal. Is, I think believe, I believe liberal Kansas is known for a pancake race they have across the city. Um, I, how do I know this? I just do. But yeah, this is not, this is not like Kansas City or, or you know. It's, it's it not is. a major metropolitan. Well, that's because thanks to Dan Mays, I cleaned up the town <laughs> years ago. So, so, so that's, that, so so that's that your one, one crazy okay. one. There's what the, else? the comments he made about the uh, Denver bicycle, free bicycle program being a, a UN plot to take over the world. That's another great one. Uh, the other one was this bizarre run-in that he had with Frida Poundstone, who's like this, the old mom of the Republican Party here, and uh, certain monies that he had given to her, and then she produced this commercial for Tom Tancredo and called him a, called him a, a shyster and stealing all this money from this poor old woman. And Frida Pounso, by the way, is known to be tough as nails, and she really put on an, an excellent act in that in that video. Dan Mays not only conned me out of my money, he lied to me about his background, and he deceived my friends and myself about his conservative principles. I've had so many people call me and ask, what kind of a man would do that to an 83-year-old lady? But I mean, no, wasn't he fined like thousands of dollars for something? I mean, which, you know, he was fined by the secretary of state's elections for for violations. He had, you know, paid his wife a lot of money um, out of the campaign funds. He had done all these things and and he was fined. I think the fine was something like $17,000 for one quarter, which is the largest fine ever assessed against a candidate. And I like uh, how that doesn't seem to really kind of matter as much anymore compared to the crazy things he's done. Like almost a year ago, like that was already known even before he had won the nomination. And now he's uh, coming in. Well, and we should also mention, you know, Hank Brown uh, has has withdrew withdrew his endorsement. Dick Wadhams, the chairman of the the state Republican Party, I think was quoted as saying, 
that he has nowhere left to go. Basically, Dame has got to where he's where he is today thanks to the Tea Party, which has helped get all these real kind of grassroots unknowns up into the main kind of party platform. But now the Tea Party seems to be abandoning Dan Mays because he's too crazy. Yeah, I don't know what. Well, no, it is it is interesting because compared this to um, Christine O'Donnell in Delaware, um, who also has a spotty track record. I mean, I I think she's like totally insolvent and it doesn't have a a stellar resume and says so. You know, is known for being an anti-masturbation activist uh, and has (laughs) said some real zingers. So why is it? Why was she able to get away with it in Delaware, uh, where there's I don't think there is as strong a conservative base as there is in Colorado. What you know? Why is it? Oh, I I can tell you why. Two words: Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin endorsed Christine O'Donnell. Oh, and she did endorse Dan Mays, right? I mean, that's the only thing that can save Dan Mays at this point. If if Miss Palin was to ride down from the clouds on a chariot made of money and uh, you know give her endorsement via Twitter. Twitter for or Dan Facebook, Mays. And, yeah. and then you would see, I think you would see a lot of maybe national uh, Tea Party money coming in. That hasn't happened. I, don't, I actually don't think that the reason why he's losing support so much of even his base of support now is because he's too crazy. I think that he just he just doesn't have any more credibility left. I mean, he was never he's never held public office. His claims of being a successful businessman completely unwound and, and shown that he's an absolute was an absolute flop as a businessman and is is nearly flat broke. You listen to some of his answers that he gives for tough policy questions and even for even for right-wing conservatives they look at this guy and say it's not that his points of view are too out there it's the fact that he just he has no idea how Colorado works at the at the state level I mean he I mean that, that that's why I think that it's not craziness it's just credibility the other thing that there's been a lot of discussion about is this fact uh, is he going to kind of kind of hurt the the rest of the Republican Party ticket in some ways, I think it's the opposite. I think, the, you know, basically he makes someone like Ken Buck look like this kind of Albert Einstein of politics in comparison. What do you guys think? I, you can- I think there are two different races. I mean, the Ken Buck, uh, who's running against Senator Michael Bennett, Ken Buck does have the core support of the Tea Party, while Dan Mays, you know, was flailing around with a, uh, without even that life raft. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know how he can stay in the race. He, I, he doesn't have any money. No one even wants to give him, uh, can't raise any funds. Yeah, I mean, part of me wonders if, you know, we're, broad, we're broadcasting on Friday, if by Monday, we're going to see that he's he's withdrawn. Um, and let us move on. Bon Appetit named uh, Boulder the foodiest town in America. Now, by town, you should mention they're, it's 250,000 population or less. So they're not competing against, you know, San Francisco or, or, or New York or anything. But still, it, it on the internet, it raised lots of uh, lots of discussion. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think Boulder deserves the, the the fame that it gets as a as a food city or or food town, or is it kind of overhyped? Well, how about you go first, because because I, I know that you think it's kind of overhyped, John. The, to a, to a certain degree, I I'm biased in the sense that a I try to I try to stay vegan, so therefore my opinions are irrelevant on so many of the great restaurants that don't really. But you're a born again vegan, so you've also experienced the non vegan lifestyle here in Denver. That that's true. That's true. And so, every now I do. I find that it, I, I am a fan of, I guess the distinction I would draw, I'm more of a, what, what I think is called a chow hound. I, I like small out of the way places. I don't like fancy schmancy restaurants usually, unless the food is so good that the fact that I'm, I'm eating with the rich and famous is, is I just don't Sorry, like scenes no. like here, you know, in Denver, like sushi den, it's a scene, but the sushi is really good. So I'll, I'll, I'll deal with people who are way overdressed to go out to eat. 
to, because the food is good enough. Boulder, I just find there's not a lot of that middle brow that I really like. Um, and by middle brow, you know, I might be referring to, you know, ethnic food, Asian food. Everything is, is a bit fancy schmancy, which leads me to an, another point just about any discussion of food these days and any discussion of Boulder ever is really a veiled discussion about class. But we can come back to that in a sec. Jared. Uh, I, I have absolutely no opinion on on Denver versus uh, versus Boulder's food scene. I mean, I think that on one point, John, you, you are right. I mean, if you want good Mexican food or you want good Vietnamese, you're you're not going to go to um, you know Pearl Street in Boulder. You're going to go to to West Denver or to Old Aurora or something like that. Uh, Joel, what 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 are the big? What are some of the restaurants that are getting all this all this hype? What are the well, Frosca, Frosca is kind of like the main. It's kind of it's kind of ground zero of Boulder's food scene. It's you know it's one it's one of all the James Beard Awards. It's kind of known as this great restaurant. I and it, does, it doesn't take you know, like I a have month, been there a couple of months to yeah. get a reservation. And it was one of the best meals I've ever had. I mean, Frosca, at least in my book, at least last time I was there, which a few years ago, it really does deserve the hype. But there's other places. What else are there? Salt. There's uh what else like uh, uh the kitchen I know has been kind of bandied about now now see yeah see I kind of hated the the Bon Appetit story but oh, I have bo- to give credit Westward uh, restaurant writer Laura Shunk who kind of wrote a response to this on West website and I really agreed what she had to say which is that you know that really you know was not about the number or the type of fancy restaurants but it's really about in some ways uh, Boulder's crown jewel which is uh, the farmers market which is the Boulder farmers market which is really this kind of amazing farmers market where literally they, they have these requirements that the food has to be basically, it has to come from like Boulder County. And if you go talk to like local like Denver chefs, they, they will drive to Boulder Farmer's Market just to go and have that food. Because I mean, it is this kind of this kind of kind of melting pot, kind of like the origin of good food is this. You walk through the Boulder, Farmer's Market every week and it really is. It's really intense I, I food will, experience. I will admit that the Boulder's Farmer's Market is, is pretty awesome. Mostly, and Denver's not, not because I'm that discerning between like heads of lettuce and uh, radishes uh, whether or not they're they're locally produced or not but just because it's a it's a pretty fun scene it's really really active and it's not you know you go to some of the ones in denver and they're like suspended out in some parking lot yeah denver's farmers markets suck i have to say right now it seems like it's it's a little bit more forced in denver yeah there's probably too many soaps and like wild alaskan salmon what the hell is that doing there (laughs) um but the you know the fruit cart and some of the produce carts are i think still really good and some of the street food you know is still fantastic. I there. disagree, but but I want to move on to your uh, your, your comments about the, uh, the class issue in Boulder. Oh, it's just any almost any discussion. You know, looking at some of the comments on the Bon Appetit website and to uh, to Laura's piece on Westward's uh, Cafe Society blog, everyone is just itching to pound on Boulder anytime it gets some. I, I've never lived there, so I, I imagine it's different. But when I go to Boulder, there's something about being in a community. It feels like no one really has anywhere to be at any given time. There's really no sense of urgency. <laughs> you have time to like wait and, like, and two I hours find, for a for a table. Right, right. I, I find I find that vibe kind of uh, infectious in a good way. So that when I go to Boulder, I usually relax. Now I'm just a day tripper, which so. is which is kind of a funny concept to like see you like relaxing in Boulder. And when people rail on Boulder, oh, it's this rich white trust fund enclave. I do find 
a lot of those I question a lot of those rants because I feel like they're it's liberal grandstanding. It's like, oh, if I didn't live in Boulder, I would be on a street with, you know, two Jamaican families and a uh, Vietnamese surgeon and a lesbian, uh, a lesbian internet startup owner. Oh, if I just wasn't fine by, it's just, it's just liberal posturing and it's bullshit. First of all, I mean, there, there is of course a direct connection between a wealth, the wealth in a certain area and, and the restaurants and the restaurants. I mean, in Manhattan, right? Tokyo. Think about every single major food city. Why does it attract the best restaurants and the best chefs? Well, because the people there have the money to throw down for these expensive dishes and these these types of expensive foods. So, duh. Yeah. You know. Now, you also have some pretty funny thoughts about the story itself, John, right? I think you have Yeah, to... well, it was written by the restaurant editor who's named Michael, Al- Michael something. And it, it, he really fa- he just strikes this tone that has been uh, of the self-important traveling writer. Well, what is he saying? Oh, here's a quote. After two hours, three bottles of wine split with a local friend, an Aji horse mackerel, Koika young squid, and Kamade golden eye snapper, I am beginning to think that Boulder's good food spots are almost as plentiful as its elite athletes. I mean, that's just anywhere you cut it. That's just shitty writing. I like and, that voice. Is that your uh, Vietnamese yeah. surgeon impression? <laughs> it's somewhere so, in between my Troy McClure and Thurston Howell the Third impression. Separate from your uh, Nazi Christo impression from last week. Yeah, whenever I try week. to talk French, I, I go German. So let's let's just not even <laughs> go back there. I do. Th- and I come back to when I was reading that Bon Appetit story. I came back to the best onion headline I've re- read in a little while, which was Whole Foods turns yet another vegetable into a status symbol. And I feel like I, I see the logic in the kind of locavore or local food movement there's something about when people start flaunting it though like when you go to a restaurant and they want to tell you about which farm it's from i feel like that south park episode where they they got into that they just wanted to play their okama gamosphere or whatever it was and they get into this wrapped up like james bond plot where all the villains are explaining to them what happens and they just the kids are like don't care just want my game Oh, stop. But doesn't that make it America's foodiest town? I mean, like yeah, no, you no, said, no. Like you said, you said you are a chow hound, which I mean, you know, you know, that actually is a really good kind of dichotomy between say like a chow hound and a foodie. And they weren't calling Boulder, you know, Foodies number care one about chow that hound type of stuff. Yeah. Chow hounds, I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, it is. I mean, this is this is like foodie food, which is where you go and sit on one of these kind of these patios, and, you know, and they talk about the farm and long one. I mean, that really is kind of foodie porn. You know, it's the open air foodie porn right there on, on the Pearl Street Mall. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I am canceling my subscription to Bon Appetit. <laughs> That's right it, after. Bon Appetit. <laughs> You're done. That, unless anyone has anything to try. I would, I would recommend reading the Bon Appetit piece and the Westward piece. We'll link to them on, on our site, denverdiatribe.com. Let's move on. It kind of leads into our next point about there's two uh, commuter rail projects. One has funding, has gotten underway, and that's the the line that will go from Union Station in Denver to DIA. And it will feature, it has a, you know, a hub station at DIA with a 500-room Westin Hotel above it. You can see pictures. Designed by Calatrava. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. I mean, it does look pretty stunning, uh, I, I think. Uh, it's called and, the Gold Line? Is that what that is? No, it's called the uh, East the East, East Corridor. East East corridor. So that's being built right now. Now the other line, which is still in the process planning of, of, of well, yeah, it's of, will it ever of finding happen? the money. It's Where called the it? Northwest Corridor line. It's going to go from uh, Union Station to Boulder and then into uh, Longmont. Into Longmont. Theoretically, long way. I don't know. Well, where they are in the project is they've finished, or they're finishing up the final stages of the environmental plan or the environmental assessment, and there's no money for it. And it's, you know, originally it was scheduled to be completed in like 2018, but that was with them starting like yesterday. So the question, the way I wanted to frame this and what I, what got me interested in it, interested in as a discussion is what's the bigger game changer, do you think? A, a line from Union Station to DIA 
or a line from Union Station to Longmont? Which is going to change uh, economically, socially, culturally, the metro area more? Are we staking out our, our positions yes. here? Okay, my position is uh, DIA. The train going out to DIA is going to be less expensive. You know, the, the, the fact that having a direct rail link to the airport actually makes a big impact with any given city. I, I can think of um, a little while ago I flew into Portland and you or in Chicago or places like that where you just you don't have to get a cab. You don't have to worry about parking or anything like that. I get off the plane. And I can just hop on the train to and, and end up right down in um, at Union Station and have someone pick me up there. I mean that or or for the sense where people can instead of arriving at DIA and then getting in their cars and then driving up to the mountains or something like that, the rental cars, they're able to actually come and stay in the in downtown. I think it'll have a bigger impact on um Let me just let me just play the devil's it. advocate here because are we do we think we're really losing traffic and visitors without this line well see see i can see jared's point of, about why this line really would have an impact i mean you know if you think about the impact nationally and internationally that dia does which has this symbol has had for denver i mean you know now this is almost a now that being said i have to say that i don't think there's any real question i think clearly the line uh, to boulder really would have much more of a long-term impact for the region i mean just because i mean you think about you know not just in terms of transportation but in terms of how it shifts development i mean that's what we're talking about this whole kind of trans-oriented development for the longest time we've had all this sprawl going up the front range but the whole main concept behind these lines is the fact in terms of kind of helping to kind of design and helping to kind of rein in sprawl so actually there will be these communities built around the rail line i mean if you think of the uh the trolley suburb of the last century suburbs. yeah yeah streetcar suburbs where we you know the main the main suburbs we have to Today, they are marked when they were built well, by I mean, the so, streetcar. So, so, so you think that it's a develop, but I mean that's that makes it an issue about development rather than transportation, right? And th and this is my thing with the the rail line to Boulder for how much it's actually going to cost. It, it's not going to be worth it because the between Denver and Boulder already there is like an, a perfectly good. Um, RTD bus system that goes back and forth. I don't know if you guys have ever ridden. Yeah, I've, it, I've ridden, for commuters, I, I, I mean, it's but how do people actually Union use Station. it? Like you just said, you don't know if you actually used it. I mean, people use. I mean, people would never, you know, decide to buy a house based on where the bus goes yeah. from Boulder. Where, where I mean, at least the concept behind these rail lines is that you know there will be these new kind of transit hubs where there'll be shops, where there will be work offices, right, and no. whole communities and schools that we built, you know, around these stops, which is what we've well, seen that, all over. That's country. already. I, I I don't disagree with you on that, but that's already that is going to occur with the line to DIA, namely the the northern end of Stapleton. I mean, they're they're building an actual station there that developers, the master developers of that whole thing, are going to structure and construction building community around all the way out along there. There's already people lining up to um, utilize that the the length of that train out to dia wherever it's going to stop they want to exploit the uh the fact that there's going to be a, a train station there and then sell you know i'm all for transit oriented developments but it's like now that the entire housing market has collapsed it seems like this like last gasp hope that developers and communities and cities keep building and building and building only because there's going to be these trains out there and if i was going to have to choose between having development more development out to uh to dia which is already developed out there in eastern colorado or the whole stretch of 36 corridor and all the way out to longmont from boulder i think i'd choose dia um I, I'm interested. It is kind of embarrassing, as others have pointed out, that you know there's a rail linking Albuquerque and Santa Fe, 
and you know we they're kind of leading the charge on this now if we don't if there's not the right schedule and enough service on this line it'll kind of so because i see a lot of people going you know coming to denver to go to a rockies game coming to denver to do various arts and cultural events using that using that line if it runs if it runs late enough now the argument can be made well they're already devoting you know a bus lane on 36 for the bus why do we need this what about pouring more money into better buses. Because the only thing I don't like about taking the bus between Boulder and Denver is it's cramped. There's always 14 people talking on their cell phones. They're, you know what I mean? I, I would love it if they had, you know, if they improved the buses, a little bit more legroom, Wi-Fi. It seems like there's definitely and some... And if they can find a way to get the poor people off the buses. <laughs> I think that, that, I think that that's pr- that the, the, the biggest thing that buses have going against it in terms of uh, uh, mainstream appeal is the fact that most people, if you ask them... They're willing to take a train, but they're not willing to take a bus, even though they go to the same places. Resegregated right? buses, yay or nay? <laughs> ba- no, based on whether you're talking on the phone or have quiet, quiet cars. I know they have that in I think in New York. All right, on our Facebook page, which you can link to from DenverDiatribe.com, uh, we put it out there about what you wanted us to love and hate on. And this week it was... Uh, I, I can't pronounce her name. It's not Kirsten. It's... Cheston. Cheston uh, Rowe. I asked her, what do you love and hate? And she said, quote, people who live in Littleton slash other suburbs and say they live in Denver, give us some boundaries, please. So what are the boundaries that we say? You can call yourself well, I grew up a true Denverite. And, and, and I know the, the commenter also grew up in the town over from me where you grew up outside of New York City and you were very careful that you did not say you were from New York if you grew up in the suburbs. So that's, I'm guessing that's where she's so coming where from. So where do you have to live in, you know, within the metro area to say you're from Denver or that you live in Denver? Well, it depends on your perspective, right? Like people who live in the city and county of Denver say you have to live in the city county of Denver. But then I say, oh, yeah, where, where do you live? And they say, oh, Highlands Ranch. No, that's not Denver. Yeah, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to agree. I'm, I'm going to agree. I am going to agree. I think you have to be able to and be willing to actually send your kids to Denver Public School to say you're from Denver. I mean, that's a, I think it's a oh, big that, commitment that's, to that's, actually, that's to actually send your kid to Denver Public School. You can, you can say you're from Denver. All right. Well, comments on our, on our Facebook page. And I should mention before love and, the other love and hates. Um, you can get this podcast now on iTunes. Maybe you're listening to it because you subscribe. But just go onto the iTunes store, podcast, search Denver Diatribe subscribe it's it'll take you about five seconds uh joel why don't we start with you for love and hate okay i have to give some love this week i recently went to the the botanic gardens a corn maze down at a chatfield i've never been to a corn maze before and it was fantastic it was downright frightening like this thing is huge it's so easy to get lost there was this kind of guy up on this huge platform directing people they were having to send in these kind of incursion teams to get out families lost it was also... did you stumble upon any uh, decomposing bodies of of less successful voyagers oh yes uh jared you go i hate the fact that <laughs> nobody in Denver on Craigslist at least wants to buy my collection of She-Hulk comics. <laughs> I'm trying for two weeks, people. She-Hulk is a part of our culture. I have a collection of about 20 of them from when I was uh, in my early teens, and they are priced very reasonably. My uh, love is going to be something weird. It's a love. This is I'm loving on a conversation starter, right? I got into this conversation a few weeks back. You have four faces on Mount Ratmore. Four people to put on Mount Ratmore. Who do you put? Wait, what? Mount Ratmore? Like Mount, but like like famous, Mount Rushmore, famous but... rats. Rap. 
hip hop. Oh, oh, rap. rap I was rap. Yeah. I did rap too. I was like, well, there's Rizzo, Muppets, Mount Rapmore. There's four. Okay. You okay. only put four people on on the on the face of Mount Rapmore. Who do you put? So. Should we should we leave that hanging and you can let us on next week and we can throw it out to our Facebook? And yeah, throw it out it? to Facebook. I will put mine on on the blog when when I get home. I'll leave you in suspense. But that it's a great conversation. Like you can go for hours and hours. Okay. And my hip hop is kind of rusty. It kind of stopped in nineteen ninety one or ninety two. It's probably I, I'm I'm t- the fourth is where I I really start to waver. It's probably Rakim. Wait, so Rocking. you're going to put Biggie and not Tupac on there? Oh, in, in, a, in a heartbeat. That, wow, so in you're coming down hard on that one. Yeah, That's yeah, a, yeah. You're yeah. staking your claim right there. Yep, yep. Okay. No problem doing that at all. Um, so anyway, share your thoughts. Uh, go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. We are on Twitter at Denver Diatribe. Um, for Joel and Jared, we are out. Bye.